0: recording we're on okay
1: hello and welcome to another installment of and now for something complete machinima uh so this uh this month i'm producing the show i'm Demi valentine also known as darth Angelus, and i'm joined by ricky grove hey there bill rice hello and, of course, Tracy Harwood. Hello. <laughs> so um, we're going to be talk- talking about news, um, different things that we've uh, found out uh, this month, and I'll get straight to it with uh, the ones I've got on my uh, notes here. So the first thing is uh, Real Vision. Uh, so you got iClone 8 coming out uh, sometime this year, and they keep releasing work-in-progress videos showing off uh, the new features that are going to be in iClone 8, and uh, a week before recording they released this new one and it's got these new features that they're kind of quality of life enhancements you can still do these things in icon 7 but it's a lot more work to do Uh, so one of the things they showed off is you can put objects and characters in groups so you can disable them make them disappear which is very helpful when you're producing big scenes because uh, when you've got lots of stuff happening on screen in iClone, it can really slow down your system, which makes Box it a down, lot harder. Yeah. yeah. So you can turn these things on and off uh, very easily. You just put in a group, so you just turn the entire group on and off with one mouse click. And that's also going to be helpful for if you're rendering things in layers for post-production. So you can have your whole scene so you get an idea of where everything is, but if you only want to... Let's say render the furniture without the characters you can just do that because you put all your furniture in one group and then you put your characters in the group turn off the characters render the furniture and then you can then swap it around so you render out your characters as a, a, a group and then you can you know, do whatever post-production you want to do and uh you can't do that in iClone 7 but it's so much work to go through the list and turn off everything you want on and off and if you forget something and you've rendered all that and you have to do it again uh, it, it can be a real pain. So this makes, um, it's not a massive, exciting feature, but it's something that is going to be very useful. And uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about it myself, actually, because it, you know, obviously I'm a big iClone yeah, user. Yeah. Um, So moving on from that. No, hold on.
2: I've got a couple of things I want to say about that. Okay. Um, One thing, I'm really glad you've picked this because it fits in with our theme for uh, uh, the month of April, which is focusing on real illusions, iClone and related products. Our films were all um, real illusion, iClone films. So we're going to be looking at that quite a bit. The, uh, work in progress videos, the, the one you, uh, looked at as the most recent one, they've released three videos, uh, uh, so far. The one you're referring to is the one on file and scene management. The very first one though was on their whole, their entirely new character animation system, which is, I think the most dramatic because animation has always been a bit of a problem in uh, iClone, and this solves a lot of the problems that they've had. Transitions, getting um, uh, uh, characters to interact with each other, getting to move to the places that you want them to, and more believable, the transition between one animation set and another animation set was oftentimes abrupt. Uh, You'll see that when you... uh, when we show some of the films that we're picking, um, you'll see, see what that is. I've been following uh, iClone since, I think, iClone 2, way back. And, and I actually have, I'm going to include it on our show notes this year, but I actually have a documentary that I shot way, way back in the early 2000s at one of the Machinima festivals in Queens, in which iClone had their first booth Set up to demo iClone, and you see a very young uh uh John Martin <laughs> showing uh the, the basic uh video setup. But uh, I'll, I'll include that on the show notes. Did did you get any indication of when uh, iClone 8 was due at all? Did they um, give
1: a quarter? It's, I think, it's, it said second quarter when they announced, excuse <coughs> me, second quarter when they first announced uh iClone 8 but i don't know if that's still the plan yeah. or if it's been pushed back um yeah cuz obviously development with the ongoing pandemic does slow things down so um yeah. it says as far as i know at the moment it's still second quarter but it it, it, it could slip into 3 okay um but we'll, i guess we'll just keep an eye on it and we'll keep talking about iClone as uh, more is revealed in the following news episodes in the podcast so uh, sounds good yeah. And I remember that documentary, Ricky, and they were giving away those free CDs with the yes. the first copy. I yes. still got my copy somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's come a long way since then. It sure has. Yes, it has. Yeah. All right. So, moving on to the next um, bit of news. Um, we've been talking about throughout the life of this podcast, we've talked about The Mandalorian and the Book of Oberfett as Star Wars shows that use the Unreal engine to create all the environments for the actors to be in. And the next one coming up is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which uses the same technology and they've just released a trailer for it. And they've got some even more impressive environments they seem to create created because the show so far seems to concentrate on desert planets. Stay um, it's, it's always a desert planet, it's Tatooine or um, there's other one from the Mandalorian that I can't remember the name of it right now, but they all look very similar. And I guess it's because they've created all assets and they can, they're just retinting them um, so they don't have to rebuild everything from scratch for these new environments. But here, everyone can over, they've got uh, it's kind of... almost like a cyberpunk city like you'd expect from Blade Runner. It's all dark and there's neon lights everywhere. Uh, and then there's this planet which is from one of the video games where it's a secret base that's underwater. And you can see that and there's characters talking in this room and it's all, the windows outside and it's all overseas, the, the, the oceans out there, but it's all created in iClone in the same sort of virtual um, environment technology. So I'm excited to see, not just because of the Star Wars fan, but I'm excited to see what kind of locations they create that can be very different from what we've seen so far. And I think it's a case yeah. of they've been using it so much that now that they're getting a better feel for what they can do and they're kind of pushing themselves to see what else can they do. So I think it's a great way to see what the technology can do.
2: Yeah, it looks really great, you know, and and I like the way that they're sort of reinterpreting the Star Wars style away from comic book simplicity Hmm. and making it much more like current uh, uh, written space opera. Authors like Adrian Tchaikovsky and Ian Banks have been redefining space opera into a more gritty and darker and more varied style in the look seems to reflect that. I I liked it. I thought it was good.
1: Yeah. So the series will Those who watch the trailer <clears throat> series. It's going to start on May the 25th, which is actually the 45th anniversary of the very first Star Wars film. Hmm. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that. Uh, next piece of news. It's related to the live action uh, TV show, Star Trek, the card. And it's, Sort of, a, sort of a continuation of Star Trek: Next Generation. And why I'm, we're talking about why I'm talking about this now is they had a fleet of ships appear in the most recent episode, and the designs of those ships were from one of the Star Trek video games. So normally you get the tie-in video game, and they will bring content from the films and the TV shows, and they'll sort of make video game models of it. So, you know, more simplistic models and for the games to you know be able to run on so people's around, computers but this is kind of the complete opposite of that where they've taken something from a video game and put it into a live action tv show and mm-hmm. that's not something that i mean it's not necessarily machinima but it kind of is because we take video game assets and make films of them and this is kind of taking it a little bit further by taking those designs and then i guess they must have but made more highly detailed and versions of these the, ships I kind of took it the uh, for their, you know, for the visual effects quality that they want for the TV show, but the it's there. Funny. And there's a documentary um, about how um, like the designer of the ships, trying ships trying got the job. Cause he's, initially he was a fan of the game and, and, and he um, and entered a contest and they liked his work and then he got the job and then he designed the ships. And now he's actually seeing his creations in the and the, cool the, the proper TV official TV live action TV show. And it's that's wow. pretty
2: cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool.
1: So my news is that documentary. So you can see you know, that sort of process and he's obviously very excited about it. And I don't blame him. It's a big achievement for him.
2: Yeah. I like the documentary. However, the sound recording was very poor uh, for the promo and the documentary. I'm not sure. I mean, given the fact that you can buy a $49 lavalier mic that is it's crystal clear when you're recording I, I don't know why they screwed that up so much it made it hard to watch a lot of the documentary for me probably because i just am sensitive to sound like that but i liked the idea of it and i thought it was pretty cool and it was neat to to hear his story i thought that was pretty cool
1: uh, my next find was a series of tutorials for nvidia omniverse by js films and he's he produces many videos throughout the week and he kind of alternates between different subjects, but it's the Omniverse ones that um, I've been following because they've been teaching me a lot about how to use uh, the software and he makes them very easy to follow. Um, so if you're interested in learning about Omniverse or um, you, maybe you're using it, but you don't quite know what everything does yet, check out the, his uh, playlist. Um, I don't think he's covered everything yet, so I'm sure he's got more coming. Uh, but he also alternates between uh, Unreal videos, which I haven't checked out yet. So, but um, if there are anything like his Omniverse videos, then it's definitely worth having a look at, at his Unreal content. And he, he he's playing around with um, what was it, the, uh, what's the character? NVIDIA's character.
2: The Unreal guy?
1: Yeah, the, the Unreal um, character tool. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, now. yeah,
2: yeah. I can't um, remember his name.
1: Yeah. But he, he's basically got produces lots of tutorials that are really good for machinima uh, so check out his youtube channel and you'll, you'll find that in the show notes
2: i thought it was a little it's a little odd that there was quite a big push when omniverse came out with the machinima aspect of it but there's been nothing since well actually well, it, there was a little thing a couple of months later but there's been nothing in the last four or five months i i think they're still working on it but um I just think that's kind of odd.
1: What I think they've done is Omniverse isn't just one piece of software. It's a a launcher, and then there's all these different uh, programs in it. There's Create, and there's View, and then Machinima. So Create is the one that I mainly use because if I'm taking my animation from iClone, I just load it up into Create, and it's there. But Machinima is kind of the same thing, but also has the animation tools. So if you want to create animation from scratch, you would use the Machinima tool rather than create. Mm. Um, I haven't used Machinima, the Machinima tool too much. I've sort of played around with it a little bit. But because I, what I'm doing is mainly animating everything in iClone, I don't need to animate it again in um, right. Omniverse. Got it. Um, it hasn't, you're right, though, it hasn't actually been updated in uh, some time. Because um, I've had it installed, but it hasn't had any updates for months. Yeah, and I've had one for create in that time, um, which is that itself was quite a while ago. But I think we'll see more about that uh, at the uh, GTC conference. Hopefully, yeah, where they're going to talk about it a bit more. Which yep. by the time everyone is listening or watching this, that will have already happened. So. <laughs> okay, um, and that's it for me uh so ricky what have you got
2: oh as usual i've got a ton of things i'll try not to talk your ears off um one thing in particular i want to to discuss but i'll give you some brief things unreal 5 preview is out i just added that this morning because i discovered that uh, they've made that available and there are quite a few interesting tutorials there's some pretty significant changes in unreal 5 having to do with uh, scene management, some, similar to the iClone thing, but also rendering and lighting has been completely redone. Uh, we'll put a link to a couple interesting tutorials in our show notes, um, and I'm looking forward to trying it out a bit more. I've been doing a series of uh, digital landscape uh, tool um, uh, reviews at uh, uh, Renderosity magazine, and I'm going to be moving into Unreal in a couple of weeks, so that's going to be fun to play with. My second piece of news is a Half Life mod called Half Life Field Intensity, which has actually been in development for 13 years, and it just Whoa. released this month. We're recording in March. It was created by a group of three veteran modders known as the Hazard Team. And uh, their previous work includes a 2009 prequel mod, Half-Life Induction. Uh, It's a substantial project. Uh, It has all sorts of new levels and uh, new material. It looks like a lot of fun. Interestingly, the team is a mix of Russian and Ukrainian uh, modders. And (laughs) obviously, obviously they've had some troubles um, trying to communicate with each other. They're fine, but it's been quite a quite a journey for them, releasing this, and then suddenly Ukraine gets invaded, and so it's a mess. We'll put the wow. download link for it at the moddatabase.com, Moddb.com, which is, in general, a really great place to look for mods for your game. Um, the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 tier, is now available monthly for 19.99. Um, it allows you to use uh, 3080 RTX hardware to stream your Epic or Steam games for a monthly fee, which means you don't even if you have a poor GPU, you can use their uh, GPU to stream it. It's 19.99. It looks like an interesting deal. They're just starting out, so I'm not sure if. Um, um I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but if anybody uses that, I know there are a lot of Steam game people uh, who watch this. Um, definitely take a look at it and let us know about it, but it looks good. Also, uh, it seems that the graphics uh, processor market is loosening up a little bit. Uh, if you remember six to eight months ago, Phil and I did a... Uh, episode of building a, a machinima PC and we were talking about how difficult it was and how expensive cards were. It looks like that's loosening up a bit. I Phil, have you, have you been, had, had that in your business? Cause I know you deal with that all the time.
3: Yes. Yes. Um, the, the, the prices are still higher than than they probably should be, but now they're at least within reach. Uh, NVIDIA themselves has helped with that by releasing the uh, 3050 series of card which is still very competent uh it's a it's a really good card and that's and it's the lowest priced of the the tier so there's there's quite a few choices in there depending on budget and yeah a lot more of those are starting to become available now
2: yeah and by the way if you're going to use omniverse you have to have an rtx card so uh, uh might be a good time to upgrade unless you want to wait a little bit longer and um see if that frees up some more uh dead space if anybody uh, remembers playing that wonderful series of three games i loved it i just thought it was fantastic there's a remake that's going to be launching in early 2023 by developer ea motive um they ask uh, dead space fans when they might be able to purchase um They did a presentation. They said it's in the pre-alpha stage of development, and they're just a couple of weeks away from being able to do a walkthrough of it. So it looks like 2023 for a Dead Space remake, which I think is cool. That game didn't quite get the, uh, um, the attention it deserved. I thought it was a wonderful space horror game. I played all three of them and just loved them. Some of the most frightening and gruesome moments in gaming for me. Now, the big thing I want to talk about is um, Elden Ring from uh, from software, Japanese. I don't know whether any of you have ever played any of the uh, Dark Souls series, but they're incredibly frustrating because they're just so damn hard, the fighting system in particular. I did uh, Dead Souls 2 and gave up after about a week or two because I just couldn't couldn't get any further. I just kept getting dying all the time i couldn't get anywhere it was less fun and more frustration well they just released uh on march 20 or march no february 25th elden ring which is the latest uh, of the uh, dark soul style games and they've made some major improvements it's an op- it's their first open world game so you can go anywhere you want And uh, it's much easier to play, although the level of difficulty is still fairly high. I've been playing it for about a week and a half now, maybe 20, 25 hours. And I just love it. I think it's great. It's very strange. It's very interesting. You have all sorts of it rewards discovery. It's beautiful visually and strange visually. And there's a lot of different play styles, and I was hoping, I was keeping my fingers crossed that modders would jump in and do something vis-a-vis Machinima, and they have. There's an Elden Ring photo mod created by Otis underscore INF. And uh, although it isn't 100% Machinima, it allows you to do quite a few things. One, it releases the camera, which is the biggest thing. It allows you to reposition the camera, uh, not only in the game, but in the cutscenes as well. So if you want to use cut scenes, you can reposition the camera. You can also uh, keyframe the camera to do movements and you can do ease in and ease out on it. it. You can change the field of vision. You can pause the game at certain points. Um, what else do they have? Oh, they have, you can change the light, the sunlight. So if you want to relight the scene to be more dramatic and, and go in different ways, you can do that. Now, the issue with this uh, uh, photo mod is that Steam has a pretty severe policy about no mods for online play, which is completely understandable. So you have to play, you have to use this mod offline. And uh, fortunately, we'll put a link in it. Uh, he makes it very easy to do. And uh, I, I there, there's a video of a guy testing it all out that I saw on YouTube and you can see it all. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure we uh, either embed that or put the link to it. And it gives you a good idea of how, how it works and how to avoid getting, um, slammed by steam. If you suddenly forget and try to go online, it's not as if they're going to suddenly ban you. They're not going to do that, but it is really, really good. And um, I think it'll open up the world to uh, this really cool game to machinima. And uh, just on the off chance, I checked the mod database and nexus mods, and there are 35 mods for the game so far most of wow. them are the yeah yeah i was really surprised even though the game is only released on february 26th but but i'd say half of them are uh look mods you know the color mods like upping the bloom on certain things or changing the color things like that. Sh- shaders yeah. that's that's what i was looking for yeah. so uh that's pretty easy modding to do I think in the next several months, it'll be interesting to check those mod databases. And I'm going to do a full report as a blog post on on, um, completely machinima.com on the uh, photo mod. And uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll do a little some machinima with it. But it's particularly good for photography if you want to make some really interesting photographs. Because the game is filled with just, I mean, give you an example. I'm. I've tried a bunch of different characters and I was going down one route and I was going through this forest and everything, this misty forest. And there was a sort of mausoleum there and I glanced at it. So on like the third or fourth playthrough, through, I, I decided, well, I'll take a look closer. Look. So I went in there and there's a little, old, deus, you know, a circular deus. So I went in there and suddenly the deus started to move and it dropped down. It was an elevator that took me into this lost necropolis. Underneath everything, I had no idea any of that was there, and it's this massive space that's just completely strange and weird. And and I had and and it was just I discovered it accidentally. It was so delightful; it made me so happy <laughs> to find these odds. And apparently, they're just all the way through the uh, the uh, thing. And so definitely take a look at it. As I said, it's there's a certain level of difficulty, but there's lots of really good. Uh, tutorials and and features and and if you've ever wanted to play a dark Souls soul style game this is the one to do it in it's well, a very
3: popular my- game over on twitch right now as well so if you wanted to get an over-the-shoulder view of someone playing through it you'll be spoiled for choice over there on
2: twitch yeah yeah that's yeah. great same way with youtube lots of lots of people writing about it um that's my uh, news for today i think tracy you've
0: got something don't you I certainly do. Um, and as a fact, I just happened to be uh, reading Guardian Culture and came across this, um, this story about um, a little clan called the Grannies. <laughs> and it turns out um, that there has been a documentary short film created about a group of Australian game developers who are basically explorers in Red Dead Redemption 2 online. Now, we've commented before on the amazing environment that is Red Dead Redemption. Uh, And this is a group of folks who are equally transfixed by that almost um, photorealistic depiction of early 19th century US places. Um, But they're not making films as such. Um, what 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 they're doing really is traveling to the edge of the game world, literally pushing through that edge into this sort of beyond space and then exploring an entirely different area of the game and taking photographs and um, making making up their own sort of fun during which um, it would appear that they found these really bizarre glitches. Um, so this then has become their mission. They have sort of started to, to deliberately seek out these glitches and faults and weirdness in this kind of games code and then recorded themselves disappearing into the ether and and finding these kind of um, you know weird places where the the code mixes and duplicates limbs and and what have you and the thing that kind of caught my eye with the story in the first place was the fact that there this there's this horse with a rider on it sort of floating in the air (laughs) <laughs> and, and guess whose film that reminded me of, Phil? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, so you know, that's really why I kind of got attracted to it. Because I was thinking, what, what, you know, what else are they doing with this? Um, anyway, the film itself is um is basically a documentary about the uh, about the grannies themselves rather than a machinima per se, I believe. Um and actually what's quite hard is to try and get to the film. Um, So the film is is described as a a, a peek behind the curtain of the games world. Um, Now, in fact, the grannies were were first reported um, in Kotaku.com Australia in 2019. And there's a really interesting article about what they've been doing, um, which we'll put in the show notes, because I think it gives you a little bit more insight into how this has evolved. And, And what this film actually is, is a commission for the Now Play This Festival, which actually was, it was originally commissioned in 2020. Uh, And it's an annual game-inspired event, which that particular year was um, guest directed by a woman called Marie Folsom, um, who um, has actually curated uh, game-related exhibitions around the world, including in London at the V&A and in New York. Um, And Marie, um, she's directed and produced this film. Um, but in, uh, in fact, the, the theme of the, um, uh, the Now Play This Festival was actually about um, something they called Breaking Point. So it was something that she kind of, um, you know, thought was a, a perfect fit for that particular fel- festival. Because um, the problem was it didn't get showcased in 2020 because the pandemic caused, oh. you know, just destroyed absolutely everything. So in fact, it actually was premiered at the International Documentary Film Festival in Amsterdam last November uh, and has been the official selection of the London Short Film Festival earlier in January this year. And actually, I'm really um, curious to note that it's been selected um, at the Milan Film Festival as well, um, which is, uh, uh, or will have been shown at the end of march as this episode goes out in early april nice um, now the plan for it I'm, I'm kind of curious how this is going to play out because the plan for it is to show it primarily in festivals and venues um, which basically means we're probably not going to see it on youtube um, which i think is is, is somewhat disappointing mm. actually um, and mm-hmm. alongside that Uh, Another reason they're sort of giving for it not being shown on any of the online channels is that it's also part of a a multi-channel installation being exhibited alongside a game that one of the grannies has actually created called Red Desert Render. And that's been inspired by their experiences of playing Red Dead Redemption as well. Um, Suffice to say, uh, if you've seen it at the Milan Uh, film festival Um, be really interested to hear what your views are of it and I think it's going to be quite quite a different kind of film to some of the things that we've shown showcased showcased on the um, on the podcast if you happen to be in the south of London um, oh sorry in central London south of England that is uh, in early April it's going to be shown at Somerset House uh, between the 8th and the 10th of April as well. Um, so we'll put a few links on the on the, on the, on the blog. Um, and hopefully somebody somewhere will see this kind of 20 minute long documentary and tell us a little bit about it. Um, so that's it for my news on that one. All right,
3: yeah, that great. tradition, that tradition of uh, exploring the uh, uncharted areas of games goes way back.
2: Mm. Um,
3: you know, the the, the uh, id software was, is the one that I was the most familiar with, but in all of the Doom games and the Quake games and even
0: the yeah. original
3: Wolfenstein game, the developers would actually put Easter eggs in the game to encourage that deep exploration. They didn't have anything to do with... you. You could play through the whole game and never encounter those, but they would put those hidden things in there and there was a lot of... Uh, inside references and uh, you know private jokes. Um, the one that comes to mind is uh, at the end of Doom Two, which was what nineteen ninety four. You face this this creature that's spawning in all these these demons at the end. Um, it's just this big wall with this huge uh, goat like demon head on there and you know all this stuff spawning out and this really creepy backward masked uh phrase plays you know in reverse Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and uh of course people extracted that audio and flipped it around and what it said was kind of in like the 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 pink floyd tradition of back masking instead of something creepy (laughs) it was to to win the game you must kill me john romero (laughs) <laughs> and if you cheated your way into inside the head of the demon on a spike in there was the head of john romero <laughs> that supposedly is what this demon really was and and quake had tons of things like that too i mean not yeah. just secrets but even beyond that easter eggs but to me, the, the things that were the most fascinating are the kind that these guys discovered, which were the yes. unintentional, the glitch, unintentional spaces in the game. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I can remember in Quake 2, there were certain bugs in certain levels that you could kind of slip through a wall and all of a sudden you're outside seeing all these surfaces mm-hmm. that have no texture assigned, yeah. which would create that hall of mirrors effect. Uh, if you remember, um, and w- yeah, when I was reading a description of their experience, i I've, I thought of of those types of things, and they are they're fascinating. Yeah. When they happen, the only time I ever experienced them was in those much lower fidelity games, so it wasn't as an impactful experience as what they encountered here. It's this richly rendered game that feels like you know an enormous world. And then to actually reach the edge of that. And um, it's amazing.
2: Uh, I love that idea of the the glitch in the game that that mm. it's almost, I almost think of it as our world and then the supernatural world that exists at the same time, sort of like the platonic looking at the shadows on the cave wall thing. I had one of the most amazing experiences playing a world war two game, God, about ten years ago, and you know it was okay. So, it was fun, but I was getting kind of bored with it. And somehow, some way, I slipped through a crack somewhere, and I was outside of the game, looking at everything. The entire setup for this whole level was right in front of me, and I was just floating, looking at it, looking hmm. at all of the the NPCs. I was looking at the 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 the, the it was the pacific so there were japanese soldiers all set up everything frozen and i could just go anywhere i want and nothing affected me it was almost as if i suddenly left my body you know and i was floating around there it was so exciting and so interesting yeah. i love that i yeah. love that phenomena
0: yeah i think but the the thing that strikes me about this is it, it's it's the it's a documentary about the the players yeah rather yeah. than the um you know them doing it themselves so i'm kind of curious to see what that's about mm. what what angle they take on that so yeah interesting okay
1: would be if we do get a chance to watch it i think yeah it'd be a, quite a fascinating thing to watch mm. uh, yeah and uh, like uh wiki and phil said i've got some uh entertaining stories where you escape the world that you're supposed to be playing in and then strange things happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I saw a video of probably a year
3: ago of the most recent Doom game. And it was a. It I guess it's classified as a reaction video, but they got the developers of the game into a room to watch and comment on a speedrunner who had beaten the entire eight to 10 hour game in like 45 minutes. (laughs) And one of the things that he did multiple times was he had found one of those cracks. Uh So there's this huge landscape, you know, filled with all these difficult jumps and monsters to take on. And he just zips up and then he's just scooting along the ceiling, passing it all and drops down on the (laughs) (laughs) eggs. And the developers are just going,
2: How did you find that?
3: (laughs) And and some of them, they didn't even know we're there, so they were writing like, "We we got to patch that one, don't we?" (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's a fascinating,
1: uh, fascinating world.
2: Mm. Good find, good find, uh, Tracy.
1: Okay, so that wraps up our news for the for this week. Um, For those who don't know yet, um, on Thursdays we do premieres on YouTube for our latest episodes. Uh, so be sure to come and join us there. Uh, basically, we'll show our latest episode, and we'll be there in the chat uh, interacting with people. So um, that's always fun to do. Right. Um, that's uh, twelve o'clock Pacific time, and what is it at in your time? Um,
2: Eight p.m. Eight p.m. Yeah. Yeah, um, we've had
0: some great folks show up, and have, yeah. Had yeah, some um, real good uh, comments uh, made in that in that yes. uh, premiere chat so um you Is know it, please do come and join
1: us yeah it's fun not just to record this and then put it out but to actually talk to you guys as well as you know as we're watching that's a lot of fun um so if you've got any feedback uh, please do send it in uh, if you're interested in anything we've talked about or um have some uh, you know some views on what we've been talking about uh please send us uh to the email address and everything on the website I. Right. um And that's it. So see you all next time where we'll be talking about films and we've chosen iClone as the theme. So all the films we're going to be talking about were made with iClone. So uh, see you then.
2: Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.